it's definitely going to make it harder. But they all wrap, so they take it serious enough to wrap their fucking wrists. Something, something definitely got harder in that scene, David. I hate when you do this. Hey, everybody! Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and I finally watched Top Gun. So I am not sure when is the first time I watched Top Gun. So the first time I remember watching it was 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. But I had seen a lot of it. This is another one of those movies that my older brother had watched. And so he had the VHS, I want to say. This like this movie like kind of like not revolutionized, but sort of the, the VHS tape because of originally VHSs were like a hundred dollars a piece. And this one partnered with Pepsi and released it, you know, had a commercial in the beginning and then released it for like a much lower price. And I think a lot quicker. And so like everyone started following suit after that. Um, like, wait, 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 I'm sorry. Like a VHS tape was a hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to this, what was the, I mean, a hundred bucks is a hundred bucks. I, in Jesus. in okay. 1980. So no one bought VHSs. If you had a VHS yeah, I... to where we were when we were kids and like, you know, every movie after like three months after being out of theaters or three to six months was like, you know, $20 for a DVD and then got 30 for a Blu-ray or whatever. Um, but I had seen a lot of the different scenes, like the scene in the bar, like the you've lost that love and feeling. I had seen, I knew what happened to Goose. Um but I just don't remember if I had watched the entire thing. And I got to say the first time I fully watched it in 2020, I was like, that's pretty fucking cheesy. Um, and watching it again this week after I watched, you know, I watched it a couple months back to then go see Top Gun Maverick. And let me just say Top Gun Maverick is like fucking awesome. And I'd say a lot better than this, but having like then having that sequel and i think this is true a lot of times where if you have a sequel of a movie that you didn't necessarily like that much but then you see the sequel it kind of and and you love the sequel which is i think a rare occurrence right um it does like i think it raises the level of that original film um and i also love films where you basically have this sequel but they just redo the first one with better technology um uh, right. The seventh, the seventh Star Wars movie is like the main example of this. Where I love that movie just because it's like, let's just do a New Hope again, but with right, 2014 right. technology or whenever that was released. Um, well, apart from that, apart from that example where where you're like, you know, you watch a sequel, and then the sequel is so good it makes you like the original better than when you originally watched the original. Um, is that just because? It's putting it in better context for me. And a good example of that would be like Batman begins in the dark Knight. right? The dark Knight is so good and it's so amazing. And when I first watched the Batman begins, I think this was like the, the notion everyone had is that, wow, that was really good. And then the dark Knight came out and then people were like, whoa, the dark Knight is so much better. And for me, I always thought Batman Begins was the lesser of the two. 
it still is. It's just that now watching it, you know, after the whole trilogy is complete, watching Batman Begins, I actually like it. I, I have greater respect for it more because of the context um, it, it's in. For me, I mean, is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think Batman Begins was good, but it does suffer from that issue of like the first the first movie in a superhero franchise when you're doing like it's like how Spider Man you had the Tobey Maguire and then you had the Andrew Garfield and both of them had the origin story movie and you're like all right and I think you know obviously a smart decision by Marvel to just skip that for Tom Holland. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I think um, Blade Runner 2049 is kind of an example of that too, where like I saw Blade Runner in quarantine um, and I was like, you know, this just doesn't have the same effect on me in 2020 as it would have if I had seen this, not necessarily even when it came out, because I don't know that I was alive. I can't remember the exact year this uh, Blade Runner came out. But if I just seen it as like a kid, right, or a long time ago, like I think the context of movies, like seeing them close to when they came out, because movies just look different now. Like they're, you know, the the quality of the of the screen is better. Like all of that stuff, I think, and the technology is better. So I think all of that leads to like, if you see a movie too late, it's hard for them to hold up. Except when you have things like, you know, The Godfather, which I think even 15 more years from now will still like be pretty amazing. Um, so I think it's also like sci-fi has that plays that either sci-fi or just something that requires a lot of technology. Um, it can have that effect. But getting to the point, though, watching this today after having seen Top Gun Maverick, I liked it a lot more. The, the The whole movie is cheesy, and I just think like some of the cheesiness really works, some of it doesn't. But after, and you, I think you're going to see Top Gun Maverick soon. You said, but it works better if you then get because. The, yeah, Maverick expands on it a lot and in, in a really good way. The fact that this movie is so cheesy, right? And that like a lot of stuff is just kind of like I don't understand what's going on, but I, you know, I'm I'm I like the characters, so I'm just going to kind of tolerate my not quite, you know, understanding of of the plot here, but is it uh more elaborate on on like for example who the hell are the enemies because i'm like this is just like a foreign nation unbeknownst to us right like i who, am i supposed to care i guess not um no yeah you're not you're not supposed to know who it is although it's probably the russians right um and then in the sequel they actually go to great lengths to let you not know who it is um because this movie was actually filmed in conjunction with the U.S. Uh, Navy, so they was, use like was Maverick too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, if you watch the makings of Maverick, it's pretty cool. Like the way they filmed it, like how they were actually flying, and um, they weren't so, actually flying in this one, right? I think a little bit, not to the extent of Maverick. Like Maverick is like almost all real. They basically have the real pilot in the front. And then in the second seat, they have, you know, uh, fucking miles Teller, Tom Cruise, uh, you know, whoever in the second seat. And then if it's supposed to, if that person's supposed to be in the first seat, they pretend that person's in the first seat, like da da da. Um, Oh, I thought it was like Tom Cruise and miles Teller actually like flying the fucking plane. 
It wouldn't fucking surprise me, but like, he, I just don't think he could get a hold of one of these. He probably would have if he could have, right? If he'd gone to yeah. some like, if he'd gone to some like second world country that just happened to have some jets, he's like, why don't we film it here? <laughs> I'll yeah. fly. Yeah, Tom, Tom Cruise is like, I'll just buy the fucking thing. I don't care. Yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. I think one of the cheesy aspects that really holds up is the fucking what do you call that in the beginning when there's just like the words on the screen to explain what's happening? It's, like, it's not a Chiron, is it? Like I don't know. I don't. It's not subtitles. It is. Uh... What's a Chiron? <laughs> That's a fucking centaur. That's not what I meant. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I I like that opening where they. Uh, if someone can comment on this and ex- tell me what that I should call that from now on, but just call I, it exposition uh, text, expository text. Anyway, I like the way that you're reading it, and then it like the music is playing, and then it says, and they call it, and then you hear dun dun, like, and Top Gun pops up. Mm-hmm. That, that's awesome. right. Yeah, that's cool. And th- there's a lot of shots um, that I just didn't... I've seen before. Um, and I didn't know they were from this movie. Like, you know, when you see, like, the um, the sunset shot of people walking on the uh, on the uh, tarmac. Aircraft ca- and aircraft carrier, yeah. The tarmac of the aircraft carrier. And then you see the, um, the tower, like, the silhouette of the, of the tower. Yeah. Um, those are all, I feel like, pretty iconic shots that if you just saw those, even if you've seen the movie, if it, if it like has been a while since you've seen the movie, you might forget where these come from. But I thought, you know, all the shots in the beginning were really cool. And then I like how right from the start, you're thrown into the action with these unnamed enemies. Uh... Yeah, so when uh, when Tom Cruise goes back for uh, I forget his name, um, Cougar. Yeah, Cougar. So uh, I is it bad that I was like thinking to myself the entire time? I'm like Cougar, can you stop being such a piece of shit and like fucking fly the plane? It 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 was like I I know. Things got close right there, and you're like, you're worried you're gonna die, and you're worried about your kid, but you're like the exact opposite of what you need to be doing right now to get back to exactly. Your kid. I mean, I could understand if he like lost consciousness or something, but but I mean, he was like fully conscious. I'm like, you have a dude behind you that's also going to die if you fuck this up, like you know, yeah, be smart about but this. I, but I also, I mean, I don't think either of us have been in that situation, right? So <laughs> I'm not gonna tell him how he should have reacted. <laughs> Uh, one I thing think I we could say, handle ourselves better. So, one thing I want to say before we moved on is for the opening of that. You know, you got the cool like uh, the sunset and like the aircraft carrier take off and whatnot. And so, in order to get that, Tony Scott had to ask the the commander of the ship. He's like, "Hey, can we move the ship a little bit so I can get a few more minutes of footage?" And the he was like, the captain said it would take it would cost $25,000 for me to move that ship. And he wrote him a check right then and there. Tony Scott did. And then Tony Scott said later that the check bounced. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy how much money they put in. I mean, do you know the budget for the original? Because I know like alone they paid Tom Cruise $100 million for Maverick. 
but I think he had like a uh, didn't he have a producing credit, right? So I think oh yeah, he I mean gets... he's he's totally like he's the reason Maverick happens. Um, so the budget for this is estimated at fifteen million. I did read that one point eight of that was paid directly to the Pentagon just to use the planes in the aircraft carrier. So you have know, fifteen million is nothing, and this is like super young Tom Cruise. It was interesting. It's like Tom Cruise is obviously a good fella, a good looking fellow. Um, there's certain scenes in <laughs> and this. possibly a good fella. Who knows? I don't know. All the videos about him make me, you know, he's got the Scientology thing, but everything else about him like makes me just like really like him. Um, and there's someone I can't remember who was talking about it. Um, it was basically like who had worked with him on a film, and he's like, yeah, he never brings that up. He's not pushy about it. He's just a normal guy. He likes to joke around. I was like, oh, that's nice. Anyway, there are certain shots in this where he, like, really looks, like, he looks kind of younger and closer to what he looked like in The Outsiders with, like, the bad teeth. And then there's other shots where you're like, it's a fucking handsome young man. Um, it's just interesting <laughs> like that. There also is a couple scenes that were filmed, like, way later, like, but not, those aren't really the ones I'm talking about. But, yeah, there's, like, from certain angles, you're like, yeah, you you look like the outsiders, Tom Cruise. And other angles, you're like, oh yeah, that's Tom Cruise. <laughs> Especially when he gives that like really nice smile at um at the, Charlie. At Charlie, yeah, um, yeah. I I I thought I felt like that the same way. Like he definitely had some teeth work done, right, for this <laughs> between the outsiders and and this, um, but he still has that giant tooth like right in the middle of his, of his mouth. Yeah. He's had teeth work done since this. So he must have sun done in between. And it was like, not good enough. I'm going to do more. Um, so yeah, uh, a little bit of like background. So, um, our friend, Zach, his wife, Katie, who you've met, her dad is a top gun pilot. He I was going to ask you this. Is is Top Gun a real school? Yeah. Yeah, so her dad yeah. was a Top Gun pilot, and she was like, when I told her we were doing this the other day, um, she, like, just had a baby, so I was going to ask her a bunch of questions, but obviously she wasn't going to answer if I texted her today. But the other day, right before when I told her we were going to do this, she was like, okay, this is what you need to know. Uh, it was, like, telling me a bunch of things. I was like, I'm not going to remember all this. But, like, do you remember any of it? Uh, she was talking about how, like, the, I think she, no, not really. I think she mentioned that the jet stream thing that happens later, like, is real. Um, but what I wanted to ask her is about Cougar. Um, like, one, like, what, ma- and this would probably be a better question for her dad, but is what Tom Cruise did, would that have actually helped Cougar? Just flying up next to him and be like, all right, man, because <laughs> you got the all right, man, right behind you telling you, like, let's go in. Um, but maybe seeing the other plane and knowing exactly what to do, maybe that helped. Should have asked her dad on. Yeah, right. And then the other thing is, like, could Cougar quit that easily? Like, I know they're not going to force a pilot up there who's, like, spooked like that. But could he just be like, all right, I'm, I'm out and I'm going home right now? Handing um, you in my wings. Yeah. The the other thing is the guy that plays Stinger, the the bald guy, um, is perfect for this role. Like as what, a military. What, what guy. else has he been in? I feel like he's been in the same role before, and I also feel like this is a movie we might have like done, like a movie. Uh, I don't think that, so. He's back. No. Back to the Future is the other big one. Oh yeah, he's the, the principal. Uh, principal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That's right. Yeah, and then I was I was looking up. I didn't see anything too crazy that I would remember um, that I had seen him in. But uh, yeah, the principal of Back to the Future is obviously like the so big one. So you said you you might have been um, born or you might have not existed when this movie came out. This movie came out in 1986. I think. Yeah, I think you. The year exist, before I was right? born. Yeah, yeah, the year before I was born. Tom, Tom Cruise was 24 years old during the shoot of this, which is crazy because I think he was even supposed to portray younger in the movie, right? Because I think someone said something about him being 20. Or maybe they were just being, like, in his 20s. It had to be in his 20s. You're like going to allow a 20-year-old to fly this thing? I guess maybe. And um, he's the best. The best of the best. He's doing all these moves with the MiG and the G-Force that I don't understand, but it really impresses uh, the hot instructor woman. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And well, how old is she? Uh, I think she's like, in real life, I think she was like 10 years older than him. Um, the thing you were just talking about, about, oh, I can't follow the MiG stuff, what was interesting to me is that in Top Gun Maverick, because they're actually flying... Uh, a, a, a lot more, right? There was actual flying in this, but it was mostly just like the real pilots. Um, but it was so much easier to follow in Top Gun Maverick what was happening. But in this one, they have to explain it to you as it's happening each time. You have like Goose like, oh, he's going this way. Oh, we got to bank this way. Like everyone's explaining what you're watching as the audience, which is so smart. Because if it wasn't there, you'd just be like, I don't know what the fuck is going on with this. Like, are we winning? I still didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> I was just like, when a plane blew up, like when 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 it showed Tom Cruise's face, and then it showed a picture of a hand pushing a red button. I'm like, I guess I just have to assume that that's Tom Cruise's hand. And then it shows a missile blowing up another plane. I was like, well, if not in the next shot we see Tom Cruise's face, then I'm going to assume that that was his plane. And we see Tom Cruise's face. I was like, nope, it was the enemy plane. Well, that's at, the, so, that's at the very end, because there were no... What, what's interesting to me, I was going to talk about this later, but, you know, you have this first dogfight where nothing happens, right? They're all just like, oh, they're not going to shoot, we're not going to shoot, we're just fucking around, really, and he does, he turns over and flips them off, which is, like, a really cool scene. So, in the end, when they're doing the same thing, and the MiG gets behind one of them, you're like, oh, what? And then he shoots, and you're like, oh, fuck! Like, oh, this is... This one's more real. I was like, that's... It was interesting to do it that way, where that you see it the first. Obviously, you you want to bookend it with these the actual planes uh, in like a real life scenario. But it was just interesting to me the first time not shooting, and then the second time, I don't know that I didn't expect either way. But it you kind of can look at it and be like, they didn't shoot the first time, or they're going to this time, and then it's fucking all out like war, basically. Yeah, when um when they're done with the the dogfight or whatever you want to call it the one in the beginning um and then you move on to cougar's resignation and then you find out that um maverick and goose get i guess cougar was supposed to go to top gun but since he resigned they're next in line which is kind of a weird thing to me because i was like so they're not the best of the best, but then they get there and they're like, wow, you performed a move that only no one ever did. And I was like, why weren't they first in line to go to Top Gun? Like, why did this guy who clearly didn't have the gumption to continue, why was he first in line? 
Well, I think it's like the the whole thing. It's like throughout the movie, right? Um, you know, you have uh, in the first scene at Top Gun when Jester goes. I want to talk about more, but Jester goes below the flight deck and and uh, Tom Cruise follows him and shoots him. And then later on, Viper even says like, "Oh, he got your ass." And Jester's like, "Yeah, I know." And they're like deciding like, "Is this guy good or not?" Everyone is so impressed by his skills, but they're also like, you're fucking dangerous. So it's like this juxtaposition, this like duality of like, he's, he could be the best. He is skill wise, the best, but he won't follow any rules, which spoiler alert plays heavily into Top Gun Maverick. Um, And so like, yeah, that's, I think that's what was holding him back because Stinger recognizes his skill and that's why he sends him. But Cougar was, you know, probably followed the rules a little more. The one thing is, is like Stinger's like, I have to send somebody. And it's like, aren't there are not other ships where they could go to? Why is it just like, does each ship get to summon somebody? Or is like, well, why is Tommy getting to go? Um, I, but it's I also whatever. Don't, you know, like, I, I don't understand the, the logistics of this school. It's a school, yet these two students are coming in what mid-semester and like Iceman and the others have been there for a while but like they're all starting on the same level no no so it's like there you know there's school I think to learn how to be a pilot and then you go out there and then they're like they kind of like hone in on like who are really good pilots and then they send them basically to like a postgraduate how to be a much more badass fighter pilot. And then that's the people that go to Top Gun. And all those other guys came to Top Gun at the exact same time. Oh, it just seemed like everyone was like buddy, buddy already. And everyone was like against Tom Cruise and, and Goose. But I guess that's just because they came in like two at a time, right? Like, like Ice and his uh, partner probably slider. came from like the uh, slider, right? Uh, probably came from the same academy or something like that, right? Uh, by yeah, the yeah. Way, I mean, they were a team together. Yeah. By the way, uh, a young Val Kilmer. Yeah. So uh, a couple of things real quick. So Val Kilmer did not want to do this movie, but was contractually, contractually obligated to do it. And then Tom Cruise didn't want to do it either. And Jerry Brockheimer convinced him by letting him fly with like Blue Angels, I think. Mm-hmm. And he went up and did five G's. And he, the the story that Jerry Brockheimer says is he got out of the plane, ran to a payphone, and said, "I'm in. I'm doing the movie. I love it." And that has to be like that has to be the inflection point where we got Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise is that right there? Right, right. Because because everything before that was like The Outsiders, Cocktail, um, the other one um <laughs> the other one what am i thinking of there's cocktail and then there's um was it was all the right moves before this probably but that's not the one i'm thinking of where he where he slides in in his underwear oh that's risky business thank you risky business right which was obviously before this but yeah so this was like his his introduction to like the adrenaline rush movies so we get this and Mission Possible and Jerry Maguire. <laughs> Jerry Maguire. Just to yeah. show me the money scene. Just to show me the money scene. I mean, working with Cuba Gooding Jr. is just an, it's adrenaline rush 
alone. Um, so let's get back to it. He's gets to the Top Gun school, uh, along with Stinger being perfect for his role. Um, Viper and Jester are also absolutely perfect in their roles. And so, like, I just all these people. I'm glad Val Kilmer like was forced to do this movie because I think all these people are actually perfect for this movie. Like, whether the dialogue gets a little cheesy here and there, and it's a 1980s movie, so you know, as I said, the decade sucks. But like, everyone is great in their roles. Yeah, no, I think everyone brings like what they need to bring. Like Tom Cruise has this very like cocky. He's, he's a good looking guy. Right. But like you said, in some scenes he looks so young. Um, and it all, I guess it also helps that he's quite short, right. Shorter than everyone else, because at, at times he has this innocence about him, but he's also this super cocky guy. And then Val Kilmer is this kind of just this really like kind of bully, but he's not a bad guy. So, and the, Man, I tell you what, I knew Goose was going to die. I knew something was going to happen to him because, you know, it's mainstream media. So you just hear about it um, through living. But he was my favorite character. I'm like, he's sarcastic. He's funny. He's obviously the best rounded character. And then as soon as you learn, it's like, oh, Meg Ryan's his wife and he has a cute little kid. He's going to fucking die. (laughs) Yeah. Having us meet the kid, the scene, the, meet the kid and Meg Ryan, basically the scene before he dies, it's pretty effed up. Why do you have to do it like that? Where he's playing the piano and they're singing, and then Meg Ryan's like, oh, yeah, Mav, Maverick? Oh, God, love that guy. Love him, love him. I'm like, oh, something horrible is going to happen. Yeah, Meg Ryan is great um, in this. Like, she, well, she has three scenes. We meet her, the great ball of fire scene. And then the death, like, yeah, she's like barely in it. So we get to the target rich environment scene, which I love that line. Um, I, (laughs) I love the interaction between Iceman and and Maverick. And one of the things you brought up, I'll just say it now is I like that Iceman isn't the bad guy in this. Like Maverick's foil is Maverick. It's not Iceman. Like right. Iceman is there to point it out, but it's Maverick is his own enemy in this. Yeah, you never have a scene. I, I feel like now you know you you don't have a scene where, let's say, he's trying to do something and Iceman sabotages something, right, and causes causes something bad. You you don't have that because you don't need that because. Even when Goose dies, it has nothing to do with Maverick's faults. His foil comes with him just thinking too much of himself and being too cocky. So, yeah. Um, I also really love uh, Charlie playing dumb, that like she knows that this guy's a pilot that she's going to see tomorrow. I think is really hilarious. Um, the bathroom scene could be slightly problematic. It could have gone in a more problematic direction than it did, but I do love when she walks out and says, your friend was magnificent. He's like, what? No, no, no. I think if she, I mean, it's all how she handles it, right? It's like how this scene was written. If, uh, yeah, if, 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 if she didn't want 
him. I don't know, because he almost, like, he looked at her, she looked at him, and then she gets up and looks at him on her way to the bathroom. It's almost like she was being like, hey, follow me in here. But then I was like, no, that's not, like, that's not what happens. And then when he goes in there, or he, he kind of, like, he um he preps himself to go in, and I'm like, don't, don't go in. Like, don't, just don't do it. But then she's, like, cool with it. She's, like, pretty far from whatever. And, and I was like, okay, well, maybe... You know, if she was freaked out by it and he was like just still being there, I'd be like, "Ugh, bad, bad scene, bad, bad Tom." Yeah. Um, the one little thing I read is that the older guy that is sitting there—that is her date—that is the real life Viper, whose name is Pete Pettigrew. Um, so a lot of like real pilots like were just in different scenes, but that was like a cool one. Um. So we get the next the next day when he finds out that she is like the civilian instructor or whatever, and then he gives you know tells the story about how he was inverted, and she's like, "So you're the one," and then she like she chases him down after class and is like, "Why didn't you tell me you were the famous Mig insulter?" And I was like, "What the fuck is that's not why are you describing it that way?" But also, why didn't if if you're mad at him that he didn't tell you that? Why are like you can't be mad at him for that? You didn't tell him that you're the fucking civilian instructor. Also, it didn't come up. Also, it didn't come up. Also, that's my point, right? Is that if he already has this reputation, why was he second banana to Cougar? Like, why did Cougar have to go away for him to to fall into this role? Well, I mean, everything happened so fast, right? Cougar, he insulted the MiG. Cougar got scared all at the same time. So, you know, who knows how it would have played out. But, I mean, I think it, it definitely has to do with that he doesn't play by the rules. You know, he's a, so, he's a maverick, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he who, who also, who gets to choose their nickname? Do they choose their own nickname? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Oh. Okay, so he he does think of himself as a maverick. I love the line in the in the like the dance hall where uh, she's like, "What's your name?" and he's like, "Maverick." And she's like, what, "Your parents didn't love you." <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Um, we talked a little bit about the first training where he gets Jester, but it's below the hard deck. I do love the fly by the tower. Um, I read also that that like never happens. Pilots do not do that because you'll get in a lot of fucking trouble. So they like. It was like a big deal who got to do it, and they like drew straws to figure out who like had the pleasure of actually getting to do it. Um, but you got the, there's also the famous line of negative Ghost Rider: the pattern is full, which I didn't realize that he says Ghost Rider because that's the name of the plane because that's not mentioned anywhere else. But that's the name oh. of Maverick's plane. Is it okay? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I don't even know what the fuck a a flying below the line did. I was like, I guess it's bad, and they're being yelled at for it. Okay. Well, the hard deck is basically they just set, and I learned this more in Maverick, but I, I mean, it's obvious from here too. You're an idiot. But the hard deck is basically they just set an altitude where you can't go below and actually be fighting just because if you get too low and then you make a mistake, you'll crash the government's planes. And there's mountains everywhere, so they made yeah. it 10,000 feet. Basically, like, don't go below this because we're in training. I'm I'm sorry that I can't, you know, watch a movie vaguely about a subject and then automatically know everything about said subject. So, well, that's good. I'm glad you admit your uh, frailties. You can't either, um, Jack, jackass. <laughs> I the next scene we get is the the Iceman 
Top Gun or Iceman Maverick. Uh, you know what your problem is? I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right, Ice Man. I am dangerous. And then this romance starts happening. I guess the romance already kind of started happening between him and and Iceman. I'm sorry, Charlie. Right. Uh, and I love that. <laughs> did you do that on purpose? Yeah, I did that on purpose. I mean, this whole movie is just an allegory about a man dealing with his inner homosexuality, right? So you watch that clip? The watch uh, from um, Sleep With Me with the one with Quentin Tarantino yeah. explaining it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So I want to talk about this. One of his main points in that movie is um, he didn't he wasn't interested in her until the elevator scene where she looks like a man. Right. So the reason that elevator scene, she's wearing a hat and looks more manly is because that was filmed several months later after they had done test screenings and people were like, we want a sex scene. So they put in the elevator scene and then the sex scene right afterwards so that they could have that. Um, But her hair was different. It was like darker. So they had to cover it with a cap. So, I mean, it's even funnier because he leans in on her at the end of that scene and he's like, shoot it to me straight. And I was like, oh, straight, huh? Okay. All right. I see what you're doing, movie. Right. He leaves the shirtless volleyball scene to go hang out with her. I mean, this is all explained in a much better way by by Quentin Tarantino himself. So. I am curious if he actually believes that or if that was just for that. I'm I'm pretty sure he probably does. Um but the beach volleyball scene, I have a lot to lot to say. Like, first of all, is Goose the only one that owns shorts? What are the rest <laughs> of you doing? Yeah, who Slider is definitely the the one who's best in shape, right? Probably, yeah. And at least him and Iceman are wearing like they almost look like sweatpants. You know, they're they're mm-hmm. definitely like more. But fucking Maverick is wearing jeans. And then just decides to go straight from stinky to over there. But first of all, they're wearing pants to play volleyball, Mm -hmm. which is like, it's definitely going to make it harder. But they all wrap. So they take it serious enough to wrap their fucking wrists. Something, something definitely got harder in that scene, David. I hate when you do this. (laughs) Uh, One thing I. uh, Make you uncomfortable. no, it's not the homosexuality. It's the fact that you like see some take on a movie and then you adopt it as your own. That's what that's what I have a problem with. But uh, for this volleyball scene, uh, Tony Scott took an entire day to film it and um, like just basically filmed them actually playing volleyball to see who would win, like full games. And the studio got so pissed that he blew a whole day shooting this. Like one of the guys at the studio was like, "I want to fucking fire him." And then he was joking later, of course, it's the most famous scene in the entire fucking movie that like I, we got mad about, you know, because just studios don't know what the fuck they're talking about. He rides exactly. over to the house stinky and just expects, I'm going to take a shower at this lady's house. You know, that, that's a good move, though, right? You arrive to a woman's house like stinking and, and smelling and you're like, oh, yeah, but what, before we go to dinner, I need a shower. And then, you know, if you're lucky enough, she lets you in her shower and you're showering, but you leave the door unlocked in hopes of her entering. You know, it's it's a whole move. I thought that's where the sex scene was going to go. But no, he goes to dinner stinky. She's like, 
Uh, he's like, do you mind? She's like, I do mind. I'm hungry, so no. <laughs> I mean, it's Tom Cruise. Oh. I can't imagine his sweat smelling that bad. So, You know, we talked about, well, real quick, this is the scene where we find about his dad um, and like that he may have screwed up, but Mav doesn't believe it. Um, but what I really want to talk about is the severe lack of sexual chemistry or just the ability to flirt that these two possess. Like it's really weird flirting, which leads to a really weird sex scene, which then later on leads to a really weird kiss between them on the motorcycle. I don't know which of them to blame for it. Maybe it's a joint (laughs) effort. I think the best scene that they have the most chemistry in is the last scene where she turns on the jukebox. He goes over there. She appears from behind the wall and he turns around. I think that whole like, thing is awesome i i connected with that i was like all right that's cool kind of romantic moment but you're right the all the other ones especially when she's telling him off in the classroom right she's like yeah what you did was stupid and and there was a much better way of doing it and then like val kilmer looks at her a certain way being like and then she was like catching herself she's like i'm giving too much attention to this one guy she backs off you know, and then and then she he he's walking away. She's calling after him, and she speeds after him in her in her sports car. Um, and then you have this whole kiss. I don't know, man. That 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 was like weird to me. Yeah, um, it, it was. I, I he's do... revving his motorcycle, and he's like, "I can't hear you, dumb bitch." <laughs> That's exactly what he said. Yeah, um, verbatim. I do like her line, too, of like, I see a re- real genius in you. I just don't want everyone to know I'm falling in love with you. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, you did skip over, though. Uh, we, we already had the elevator scene, but the Meg Ryan introduction, where before that, Goose is like, yeah, I've, you know, I've just been telling her like this and that, da-da-da, you know, not giving her anything too specific. And then she walks out, she's like, I hear you're in love with your instructor. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then, and then when uh, they're sitting at the at the diner or whatever, and she's just being like, "Oh yeah, I'm surprised that he wasn't sleeping with like this girl and this girl, like right in front of his new girlfriend." Right. Yeah, and this is actually um, a little tidbit for you to remember when you see the next one. But they say, "Oh, you slept with the admiral's daughter, Penny Benjamin." Oh yeah, that- I remember that. She is uh she is in the next movie played by someone you recognize. Hmm. Mm. We call that mm. a tease in the biz. Um so we get to the next training uh session and it's uh you find out Iceman is first and Mav is right behind, like two points behind. I, I don't remember when you know the I've got the need, the need for speed line is so famous from this. I think it happens right there, but I don't remember. I didn't write it down. So it happens when Obviously, before Ice dies, and Ice doesn't go, die. I mean, <laughs> when Goose dies, uh, because it's between Maverick and Goose, and I think it was when, yeah, you're right. It was when you learn that that Ice is first, and then they're walking on the tarmac, and then he's like, "Got a need, a need for speed," and then they high five. Yeah. So this scene is really cool. It's. Basically, Jester and Viper are both up there. 
Mav is following Hollywood, like tailing them and helping out as Hollywood's supposed to be killing Chester. But he sees Viper and he just can't give up the opportunity, right? He goes after Viper and he is about to kill Viper, but then Jester just fucking destroyed Hollywood one-on-one, even though he was already behind him. Um, and I love the line from Viper, we regret to inform you your sons were killed because they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I really like how they've given him a huge hang-up, right? His his pride and his, you know, his... his um, Thinking that that he's always in there, you know. He he picks the cool move over the right move. Um, I love that character flaw about him, and uh, the fact that at the end you see development in that. I think it's just like, I mean, obviously it's movie making one hundred and one, but it's it's done in a in a really cool way, especially since you rely on how good this movie is dependent on how good the character and the character arcs are, right? Because honestly, you don't really give a shit about the plot because we don't know the enemies. And so, you know, so it's, it's just how good the characters are written. Right. No. And I like too. So another line right after that is, um, Jester walks up to Maverick and is like, that's the best flying yet right up until you died. And then fucking Iceman lays into him like you're more dangerous than the enemy right now. And what I like is this is kind of when Maverick kind of realizes it. And he says to Goose, he's like, it'll never happen again, which like Goose dies right after this. But it wasn't really Maverick's fault, um, as we find out. Um, Will it never happen again? (laughs) You'll have to watch. But I love that, like, once again, as I said before, Iceman is not the actual bad guy here. He is pointing it out to him like. it's almost like he's like another instructor to him. Like you are, he recognizes all of them recognize how good Maverick is, but it's like, you're not going to be the best because you don't do what you're supposed to. You think you're better than you are. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. And, and especially since Iceman not only follows the rules, but then ends up beating him anyways. So he's yeah. the best. And I mean, <laughs> we get the, the Meg Ryan scene in the piano, great balls of fire. Um, her line of like, take me to bed or lose me forever is really, really good. Um, leading into the saddest part of the movie. And what I think is interesting is we have not seen like any like fault in um, Iceman's armor. And then you just see like, he is kind of partially responsible for Goose's death. Cause he's, so tentative in this situation he won't take the shot that he obviously has as like you know and so eventually he has to take off and then the jet wash happens and you know they go out to sea when i first saw this this is like a scene i had i saw when i was a kid was goose dying and i remembered it vividly him hitting the ejection like the the cap of the of the plane and falling into the ocean and when i was watching it for the first time in 2020 all the way through i was like how the f- I was like, I remember Goose dying in the ocean. How the fuck do we get to the ocean? I haven't seen the ocean yet, like, while they've been at Top Gun. And it's like, obviously, in California, these things can travel fast. So it's like, that makes sense. But I was like, they're nowhere near this. Um, But they make it there. Yeah, this this was super sad. Also kind of a lame way to die, right? Because uh, it, it, it was 
And I don't mean like lame as in like, or, or stupid as in like, oh, they're lame or they're stupid. But like in the grand scheme of things, for you not to be far enough away from the, from the thing ejecting and then you eject yourself, I'm like, was that avoidable? How avoidable was that? Like, obviously we find out that the, the jet engines failing was no one's fault and it was like a malfunction and that was unavoidable. But you're falling and you eject the thing you i guess you expect the hatch to like fly very far away in a short period of time right yeah yeah i wonder they do make a in that they make a big deal about like maverick is like i can't reach it goose you're gonna have to do it and i'm wondering too if like if maverick had done it does it happen differently like the order of it so i'm not sure What's actually very sad is during the filming of this, one of the stump pilots. Um, I know, I I saw that. Um, yeah. In what seems like a very similar way, he had a flat spin and then it went into the Pacific Ocean. They never recovered his body or the plane. Apparently, just they never recovered his body or the plane. That's what I read on IMDb. His name was Art Scholl. That's um, crazy. That's nuts. He was one of the plane he was one of the camera planes is what i'm reading so that's like super super sad it's also like kind of eerie right it's a flat spin that he couldn't recover from and then he like went into the water so it's kind of nuts um what's interesting after the scene in the movie is how um and i don't want to spoil too much for the movie but i'll spoil it it's like i'll spoil a little bit i guess but meg ryan doesn't blame him for the death of Goose. It's kind of similar to what happens in the second movie when Goose is brought up. Um, it's just interesting, I, right? I teared up at that scene because I think you as the audience and Maverick was expecting, like his hesitation going through the door is sad, but also he was probably expecting for her to blame him. And the fact that she doesn't, actually she does the opposite of blaming him. Not only she doesn't blame him, she's like, Oh man, if he was going to die, it would have been rather with you. I mean, he, you know, he was going to go up there anyways. And for for her to just be like still so behind him, that's an emotional moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, it it, it, the the little boy should have turned around and been like, "Are you my new daddy now?" A young Miles Teller, some might say. <laughs> Is that is that the relationship in the in the movie? That little kid is played by Miles Teller in the second movie, yeah. Okay. I didn't know. That's so not a, Miles that's not Teller. A, that's not a spoiler. That's just like well, that's a spoiler for me. You ruined it for me. It's in the trailer. You can't spoil it. I mean it. I could I, I could have looked up the casting, but you, you ruined it for me, you know? That's fine. Um so he's cleared of all wrongdoing. He gets his new Rio, which is Trevette from Walker, Texas Ranger, also from, uh, we might know him from Die Hard. The next scene I want to talk about is Iceman apologizing, and Val Kilmer does this real thing. He's like, Maverick. And he, like, raises his hand. He's like, I'm sorry about Goose. We all liked him. He was like a robot trying to, like, locate emotions to speak to a human being. <laughs> He's just like, I like I like the shaking of Tom Cruise's like hand during that that scene that you can kind of see it off uh, out of focus. Like was, yeah, yeah. 
Well, because because it was almost like if he says one wrong thing, he was just going to tear into him. But the fact that he and and then he walks away, right? And then Tom Cruise has this like surprised look on his face, like, oh, he didn't say like an assholeish thing, you know? Yeah, because I think you can go through this movie looking at it the way you would watch a normal movie, like, all right, well, that has to be the bad guy, right? Like that's how movies work. And then this scene is when you're like, you like you see this scene, and then you think back, and you're like, well, Iceman's not been the Iceman's right. You know what I mean? Iceman's been right this whole time. Like, maybe you prefer the Mavericks because he's more skilled and he's, like, dangerous and he'll, you know. But Iceman hasn't been a bad guy. Who the fuck is Wolfman, though? And why is he in this (laughs) locker room? And who the fuck does Wolfman call? I I don't know. But hold on. Before we get there, because that's a whole thing, too, right? Because Iceman is not the bad guy, because he was right the whole time, and because it's Val Kilmer and he was likable back then, I think the ending scene worked where they come out of the dogfight and they come uh, hug on the tarmac and he's like, you can be my wingman anytime. He's like, no, you can be mine. That works only because Val Kilmer's character is likable, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, So, yeah. Who the fuck does Wolfman call? I it has to be her, I guess, or it has to be Viper. I but why? Who is Wolfman? Um, how does he have a relationship? I don't think we've se- if we've seen him before. He hasn't talked. It's I, it so has weird. to be her. It, it can't be him. It can't be Viper because because Maverick shows up to Viper's house. It's not like Viper tracks him down, right? But how does he know to call her? I don't know, dude. That's so confusing to me because it, it makes sense, right? He calls her and then she shows up to to tell him he can't quit, right? But 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 why? <laughs> it almost feels like just a weird way to explain that he's quit, which you could have just been like. <laughs> also, does he quit? Of different- you you don't get that he quits. He's in the locker room. Uh, Iceman says, sorry about Goose. Everyone liked him. Walks away, and then he walks out. And then you have Wolfman being like, well, I guess he quit. And the only reason you know this is Wolfman is because he says, hey, this is Wolfman. <laughs> oh, I didn't even catch that. The only reason I knew he was Wolfman is because at the end credits, where it's the 80s like shot of everyone, and then it has Wolfman at the bottom. Yeah, I don't know. That guy must have like known somebody and was like got a part in the movie because I don't know what the fuck that was. Um, so then we, I, she... take, I take it he doesn't show up in Maverick. <laughs> Maybe he might have, but who knows? <laughs> um, so Charlie shows up and finds him. She's just like a straight up asshole to him. Is like, all right, fine. I guess you're a fucking quitter. And it's like, dude, his friend just died. Like, what do you mean? And then she's like, I wouldn't say good. You know, I would say goodbye if I left. Which then later on, she just fucking left without saying goodbye. Yeah, pretty much. Quitter. I mean, at that point, at, at that point, she was dressed too feminine, so he didn't care anyways. <laughs> oh my god! And one thing I'll say is about that is that I wish they had just ended with that, and you don't see her again. Because spoiler alert, she's not in the sequel, and it like it would have played so much better, but now you have them reuniting at the end. And then she is not mentioned in the sequel at all. Um, I think that's, well, I mean, 
when they were doing this, they were just trying to bookend the movie no, nicely, right? Like they weren't thinking about a sequel. I know. I'm just especially, saying it would have worked better. Like Thirty-five years later, more. Thirty-seven years later. Holy crap! Yeah, exactly. So we go to graduation. Oh, sorry. Before graduation, Viper tells Mav all this classified info. Basically, like, your dad died saving three other people. Uh, which, he must have only been one person in a plane, right? Because, like, you saved those other three people, but you just killed the dude behind you. So Katie what was I... telling me that, like, usually uh... there was only one person in a plane. Not necessarily always. Like, they didn't have, like, the second person. So, But I also didn't get is how how Viper said it. He was like, yeah, he saved three other, other pilots before he bought it. I'm like, that's a weird way to tell, <laughs> to talk about a guy's dad dying. It's like, yeah, your dad saved, uh, three other people before he fucking bit the dust. Yeah. But like people who have been involved in war. And as Viper said earlier, he's like, I had 18, I was flying with like these 18 other guys and eight of them died. What in the first week or whatever. He's like, yeah, they're used to death, so they're a little more jaded. Oh about yeah, he it. tells them that he tells them that in the bathroom when uh, when Maverick is mourning Goose's death, right? Yeah, he's like more more people will die. Yeah, and he's like he's like what what does he say? Because that bathroom scene is he's like Goose is dead, like very like upfront, and Maverick's like I know, and then he's like patting him on the back. He's like let him go, let him go. I'm like. Fucking leave him alone, dude. Yeah, give him a little a little bit of time. So uh we get to graduation, Mav shows up, Iceman won, and we're headed to the Indian Ocean to fight an unnamed enemy once again. <laughs> so explain obviously it's the same unnamed enemy because of the of the red star on their helmets, but explain to me how this works. You graduate Okay, so so let, let's let's put this in a job I, I I more understand, and yet you'll see why this is an awful example. Let's say you just graduated as like your residency as a doctor, right? I know nothing about this, but then what? Like you're on your you, you're throwing up your cap, you're graduated, and then all of a sudden a bus crash happens, and it you pull like five of the brand new graduate students in to like do surgery on people. Like, is that how it works? It's like, Oh, we're in war now. No, it's someone who finished the residency practice for a while. They're like, Oh, this person's really fucking good. And they excel at this one thing. Let's say heart surgery. So then they send you for like a six month thing to be like, Hey, let's learn a little bit more. You know, let's make you even more and more proficient. And then afterwards you're like, yeah, this guy's really fucking good. And so then he does a heart surgery after graduation that's like what it would be they already were fighter pilots before they went to top <laughs> no i understand that but i'm I'm just saying it, it's weird that this this emergency i don't know what, what you want to call it a, a flanking by this enemy unknown enemy and and they have to pull in these people like they didn't already have people on standby they, they pull in these guys on the day of their graduation just kind of weird on the day of my daughter's graduation. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but we need them to be in the Indian Ocean because we need this final scene. So that's okay. why it happens. I, I love uh, Viper's last line. He's like, if you can't find Rio, I'll fly with you anytime. Also, how about um, where they're explaining like who's who? And it's like, oh, Iceman, you're up first. Um, 
and then Maverick, you're, you're going to, and then Iceman's like, Hey, um, nothing personal, but I really, uh, I don't know about Maverick. And he's got, yeah, yeah, whatever. Shut up. It's Maverick. Go ahead. <laughs> and Maverick's just listening. He's like this motherfucker. He's probably right about me, but yeah, you don't, you don't need to say it. <laughs> um, I think the last scene is really good. It's like 15 minutes of just fighting. They, they do have this kind of bullshit plot device where they're like, as soon as Maverick takes off, they're like, oh, our catapults are now broke. So these are the only people we can send. Yep. Yep. I, I, I noticed that too. I was like, of course it is. Um, and, but I love the reveal where it's like four bogeys. No, no, sorry. Three bogeys. No, four. No, we got five. I was like, okay, now the, the stakes are up because now it's just two against five. Um, but they, they take him out pretty, well, not pretty easy, but for them, I guess. It, they do once Maverick gets in there. Although he like, this is a one part. He like disengages and they're like, oh fuck, he disengaged. What are you doing, Maverick? What are you doing? What are you doing? 10 seconds later, he reengages. Oh my God, he reengaged. We're saved. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I was like, okay. Talk to me, Goose. Talk to me, Goose. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, again, it's that cheese that that we were complaining about. But it's in the movie. And, and I think it's still like that that final scene works. Um, the explosions are cool. Honestly, that's all I care about. Um, they land back on the ground. You get the famous line, you can be my wingman anytime. No, you can be mine. Uh it's this close up on on Maverick who Tom Cruise is sporting this unibrow that's going strong. Um and then we have the final scene with uh him Charlie in the jukebox. Yeah. Uh the the line though like bullshit you can be mine is ultimate cheese first of all. We also get like there is some like character development in this last dogfight because you got Iceman who takes the shot very quickly this time, which he didn't last time. Um, right. And then Tom Cruise actually goes through the jet wash but is able to survive this time. And then he is a wingman to uh, – it's either Hollywood or – it's probably just Iceman. And he doesn't leave him this time, right? So we get all that. One thing that it took multiple watches for me to see was that Tim Robbins was Tom Cruise's Rio – Was he? Yeah, I saw I saw him in the opening credits, and I and then like at the as the movie ended, I was like, I never saw Tim Robbins. You when you when they get out of the plane, you can see Tim Robbins a foot taller than Tom Cruise, and that's the way you know. Um, but yeah, that I, it took me forever to figure that. I like think I saw him on IMDb. And I was like, what the fuck? And so when I watched it again, I was like, oh, that is him. I was like, that's so weird. Um, this other thing I read is pretty cool, is that the Navy authorized the film to shoot two actual missiles the entire time. So a lot of times when you see missiles being shot, it was just the same missile from like different camera angles. They shot it like several times. Makes but sense. Then apparently they also used miniatures of planes and rockets. And apparently the company that produced this did such a good job that the Navy investigated to make sure that there weren't more than two missiles actually shot. <laughs> I mean, that, that must be feel, you know, make you feel pretty good. Yeah. 
Uh, one other really funny thing I read is that, like, I, you know, they said that, or I told you that, like, a lot of the extras were just, like, actual pilots. And they went up to Tony Scott and they're like, hey, all the patches on these flight suits are not really accurate. And his response was like, we're not making this movie for Navy fighter pilots. We're making it for Kansas wheat farmers who don't know the fucking difference. Well, if I'm a Kansas wheat farmer, it fucking worked, man. Also, let's put another jacket on the roster on movie jackets that we need to own, right? Drive. Kurt Russell's from... uh from death proof and now tom cruise from top gun yeah i agree um and last thing real quick there are a couple you know tom cruise didn't want to do this and so i think they went to some other people oh yeah that was my next question for you is alternate casting these were the people that were considered for matthew modine turned down the role because he objected to the film's cold war politics and apparently a lot of people like uh they couldn't get Bruce Springsteen's song, and then Brian Adams refused because he said the movie promoted war and like yeah, whatever. Um, Patrick Swayze, Emilio Estevez, Nicolas Cage, John Cusack, Matthew Broderick, Sean Penn, Michael J. Fox, Scott Bayo, and Tom Hanks all turned down the role. Um, Wait, what Charlie was Sheen, what was Matthew Modine's reason again? Uh, he objected to the film's Cold War politics. I don't fucking know, man. He was in Full Metal Jacket. I think that movie depicts war as hell, and so he was maybe more okay with it. And also, he was okay. a younger, he was a younger, more hungrier actor, probably. So <laughs> okay, I mean, he's in Stranger Things now. Well, he was, so he's fine. So. Yeah, maybe he didn't like the. He probably didn't like the Russian plot in season three. <laughs> That's why he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, Charlie Sheen, Jim Carrey, Rob Lowe, Kevin Bacon, Eric Stoltz, and RDJ were considered for the role. Sheen was deemed too young. Um, and then for Charlie, Tatum O'Neill, Jodie Foster, Daryl Hannah, Diane Lane, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Linda Hamilton all turned down the role. Carrie Fisher was also considered. Mm. Um, I think it worked out. They, I guess they wanted an unknown for Charlie. Um, and, you know, that worked. I think the age difference, though, has probably played into why she, you know, she kind of quit acting at the, i think at this point but also the age difference i think is a little more apparent when you get to 36 years later because tom cruise looks like a fucking alien who looks like he's only aged 15 years so yeah. it's really yeah. you gotta you gotta blame him on that i um i didn't think we were gonna do this movie but we ended up doing it and now you have to go see maverick i have a greater appreciation for it. I think the more I watch it, the more I'm like, I just get used to the cheesiness that doesn't work. And I focus on the parts that I love. So, uh, I'm happy we did this and you need to go see Maverick for sure. I was holding off on doing this because there was just absolutely nothing about this movie that I thought would interest me. So I was like, I could watch today or I could hold off on it and watch it tomorrow. And I just kept holding off on it. Because I was just like, you know, I, I don't really care about, you know, fighter pilots or planes or whatever. Um, but then once I once I started, one thing I noticed is that this is a very well-paced movie. This is like right under two hours. But the way everything was like laid out is they put you right into the action in the beginning. And then from everything onward, you just are invested in the characters. So I really ended up liking this movie and all the emotional high points and low points 
I felt surprisingly like deeply affected by them. And so, um, so yeah, no, I'm definitely going to watch Maverick cause I'm, I'm, I'm now interested in, uh, the characters and how they kind of go from here. Even though if, if Charlie isn't in this one, Alon, you can be my wingman any day. Thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Maverick. And I finally watched Top Gun. <laughs>